And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Once again, I'm Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And we have Mark Seymour back with us. He was on several weeks ago and did a very interesting lesson for us. You know, Mark is a commercial photographer over in the UK. He's a big time street photographer, trainer, does uh, workshops all over the world. And anyway, so he did a nice educational piece. People loved it. So he said, let's do it again. And we're going to we're going to talk about, you know, one aspect of street photography that we all need to pay attention to. So before we get going, I just want to say hi, Mark. How are you? Yeah. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me back and uh, really enjoyed the the last talk. Um, we got loads of great feedback uh, on our own site. So, um, yeah, thanks for asking me back. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you. Um, yeah. So, like I said, you know, Mark does uh, workshops, you know, now that hopefully COVID is waning and he's he's back to doing workshops in places like India. He has one coming up in New York in October. So if you're looking for an interesting workshop, in New York City, and October to me is a perfect time to be there. It's not blazing hot like it is in the summertime, and it hasn't started getting freezing cold. So I, I love early October. So if you if you have an interest, we'll put some links in the in the show notes uh, to his workshops. Thank you, and uh, um, you know make sure you check it out if you're in the market. You know New York's always a great place to to shoot. And what I find interesting about it is, you know, Mark's not from there. He's visiting the town just like anybody else. So he's there with a with a fresh eye, although he's made many great photographs there. So anyway. All right. Well, let's get talking. Um uh, so Mark, we were we were discussing, you know, what can we talk about today? What can you know, I I, I always compare this this game to golf because there's so many similarities. That's a great. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to get into the detail. I'm, I'm working on a newsletter article about it, but um, when you take golf lessons, uh, they always give you swing thoughts, things to keep in mind when you're swinging the golf club. Of course, you only can hold one in your head at one time. And so what's, a, what's our swing thought for today? I guess in terms of street photography, and it's what you call the three F's mm. and or the four F's. So tell us what that's about. Yeah, I think it's it's a great um, thing if you can sort of you can hook uh, something onto uh, a little saying because it lets you sort of memorize it a little bit easier. You know, we all remember when we were at school and, you know, we, we learned things by sort of recital. And uh, it's a very simple, you know, there's just uh, fish in following and uh i'm gonna swear now sorry so i yeah I you can say it there, but uh, it's fishing following and uh fuck and um let's just talk about them and just you know just let's just discuss what they are because with those with those three techniques or the last one's not really a technique um you're gonna get most street photographs that you're kind of looking for and i know we spoke briefly about the first one in the last episode and uh, the first one is uh, uh, what we call fishing and um, 
the reason we call it fishing is you when you go fishing you 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 sit on the bank and you know you 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 cast out your 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 line with your float on or your lure on and you're waiting for a fish to come along to 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 bite your your bait to catch that person to catch that fish and fishing in street photography is pretty much the same really you know you're you're going out there and you're looking for a great background um, because the background is as important as the foreground you know if you haven't got a great background you're never going to get a great photograph so you need a great background um, with great light so you might see a background and you know quite often you can make a mental note of it and think you know what i'll come back there mm-hmm. because the, the light's not right today and uh you, know, you might keep coming back there and back there and back there over over weeks or years or whatever because you know the background is really really strong um and you know that if you wait there when the light is good and you've got that great background you're gonna get a great image and then it's just a case of waiting um, you know, a lot of people look at street photo- photography and they think he was lucky or, you know, wow, I never see those sorts of images. But there's not a lot of luck in it, really. You know, there, there is an element of luck, but there's a lot of uh, work gone in prior mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, you, you take all those elements out of it. So you stack the cards, if you like, in, in your favor so that when that person enters that space, you're ready and and the great thing with fishing as well is you know you can really be super ready you know you can you could be pre-focused you can have set your your aperture your shutter speed iso you could do it all manually if you wanted to because mm-hmm. you're shooting one location and it's very often or very not very often the light is going to be changing rapidly when you're in a single situation so you can absolutely nail everything you you, you might um, you know, set it at f5.6 where you might you know just just set it at f11 and um, you know if someone's sort of near or far you know you you know that you're gonna they're gonna be in focus mm-hmm. but um, yeah fishing it's it's being there waiting um, and, I, and I think it applies to all sorts of photography and I think um, I think the last time we spoke about it I kinned it to you know a studio photographer and you know he's mm-hmm. got your studio at home or your studio on the high street and you know in walks this you know screaming kid and you've got to deal with it because you're a professional and take the photographs and you know mum might be happy and you might produce a, a good set of images but they're never going to be award-winning they're never going to be wow but you've done you've done what you've had to do but the next couple might be the same and at some point during that day if you're doing maybe eight or ten families or even over, over a week, there's going to be a couple or a person comes in that you think, wow, great character face, you know, is up for, for doing a few little sort of different things. You get on with them. So you've, you've got a commonality there with them and you just get on and you, you just take photographs and you know you're getting great stuff because that right person has come into your studio. And it's exactly the same with, with fishing. You know, it's just finding that great background and then staying there and waiting. And you don't necessarily need to stand on the spot. You know, you can you can just sort of walk around maybe in a figure of eight and you know, just be, be aware. You know, it's one of the other things is street photography. You need to be 
aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might have two locations kind of next to each other and you'd be watching both of them. But generally, you know, you 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 need to be aware of it so that when something happens, you can you can just move in really, really quickly. Yeah, you know, I, I even know from my own work, you know, I, I get some photos that I got a great expression, interesting person, but the background sucks because I didn't take the time to put myself in the right position to win. That's that's absolutely perfect what you said there, Bob, because, you know, if the background sucks, what's the point of taking the photograph? Yeah. You know, you, it's never going to be in your portfolio. And ultimately, you know, why do we take pictures? You know, we take them for ourselves or to show other people, to make other people smile, to you know, make people happy or to... Um, you know, make a memory. And, you know, if, if those elements aren't there, you know, that, that light moment and the, and the sort of action, what's the point of taking the picture? Just just wait until it does happen or move on and come back to that background the following day when the light's better there. Yeah, I personally, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time fishing because I've got this bad case of FOMO, <laughs> fear of missing out. Yep. Uh, and I like to keep walking. I, I photograph sometimes with Mike Ruggiero, who's a longtime street photographer, and he yells at me, stop. <laughs> what do you keep walking for? Stay here. That's a good spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's absolutely right. You know, just stay there. And, and I find it one of the biggest things on the courses that uh, we run is that, you know, photographers, they take a picture and they think they've got it. Yeah. And then we'll move, let's move on. There's something else. And it's like, hang on a second. You could be walking another 20 minutes or 30 minutes looking for something else. Mm-hmm. When You could have yeah. just stayed where you were. Um, yeah. And you could have, something better could have happened. And I think another common mistake is when, you're, when you've found that great background, people take a picture and they look at the back of the screen, they, they're chimping, mm-hmm. and um, they're admiring their picture when something better is happening. So yeah. when, when that thing happens, those all those things come together and that person enters your space, you need to stay with it and, and you know, shoot hard, edit hard. You don't be afraid to take 20 pictures, 30 pictures, you know, in a single scene because, you know, you can edit it down. Sure. Um, you only need one picture. And so why not stay there and make it great? Yeah. Don't chimp. Forget was, it. Look was, at it later. I was told a story many, many years ago about um, you know the, you know this edit, shoot hard, and edit hard. Yeah. And, you know when you think about it, if there was a disaster in New York today, touch wood, heaven forbid, there isn't. There'd be thousands of photographers down there taking pictures, and yet the New York Times would only have one image on the front of its paper. Sure. So. Why, when you're there, kill it, just stay with it and keep taking pictures from different angles or different perspectives, you know, getting close, stand back, take a wide angle and and a scene setting. So you've got all those options, but stay in that same place um, because if you walk away, you've kind of lost really. Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah. If anybody listening, if if you want to see a really good example, of this is our feature in April. I think it was April this year, April 2022 with Lawrence Bruchard. 
who shoots only with the iPhone, by the way, but he's, he studies his locations. He has an app to know when the light is just perfect in the right place. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he looks at the, looks at the patterns and he, he keeps a, basically a record of all of these things. And he knows, okay, such and such a spot. He lives in Tokyo, by the way. Such and such a spot is going to be perfect today. And, you know, it may take him an hour to get there by train. And he does just exactly what you said. He knows what the background's going to be like and spends his time just waiting for the right thing to happen. There's there's an Indian photographer. You should, you should absolutely look at his work. And I'm I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's Vinit Vora. Oh, yes. Yeah, Vinit, Vinit Vora, yes. Yeah, and, and again, he's the same. You know, he looks for a background and he waits for this subject to, to come into this background. And, you know, obviously he's blessed in India. There's lots of sort of random dogs around and, you know, interestingly colored people and you know, the way they're mm-hmm. dressed, etc. But some of the pictures, you know, there's, there's like dotted lines on a coach and the dog's tail is lining up with the dotted lines. And that just hasn't happened. You know, he's meant to do that. And he's, he's stayed there for a long time and waited for that dog to go into the right position and almost sort of micro composed it so that he's absolutely sort of spot on. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, go, go and look at his work on Instagram. It's 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 amazing. Yes, he he's yes he he's an amazing talent. You know, a lot of people worry. Well, gee, if I just hang around this spot for a long period of time, people are going to think think I'm weird or whatever. But actually, to me, the opposite is true. They get tired of seeing you there. They just they forget about you. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, it's it's something else that perhaps we'll talk about some other time, you know, it's people, people think it's, it's about the way you feel and the way you act. And if you act suspiciously, people are going to look at you. Um, but, you know, you need to sort of don't make eye contact with people. You know, yeah. don't wear clothes that stand out. Don't wear a bright red shirt and all that sort of stuff, you know, walk around like, you know, what you're doing. I mean, it's always this old thing, you know, if you want to go into, the best hotels in, in New York, just, <laughs> just walk in there. You know, just, and they're just going to assume you, 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 you're there. But if you sort of hover around and look and say, Oh, can we come in please? They're going to say no. <laughs> yep. I, I do that all the time. Yep. Me too. Just walk in there. Like you own the place. And if someone's <laughs> has got a problem, they say, excuse me, what are you doing? You just say, Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm just going in here. I'm, I'm staying here. Yeah. Yeah. At my age, you always got to know where there's a good bathroom, right? So you walk into a hotel, like you know exactly where you're going, and, and take it from there. Yep, I've I've long, long done that, and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, should we move on to the second F? The second F. What is it? Following. Following. So it's when you see. So this is the complete opposite. So you're you're not looking for a background now, or you are looking for a background, but in fishing you found your background and you're waiting for the subject to come into it. Following is is kind of the absolute opposite of that. So you've seen your subject. So you know, we were in London recently, and um, it was uh, obviously the Queen's uh, Jubilee, mm-hmm. and. Um, 
we were just walking around and then all of a sudden I noticed this guy. He's dressed in red, white, and blue. He's got red trousers, a blue jacket, um, and a white shirt and, and, a, and a red tie. And then be, behind him, he's got a little trolley um, with a dog in it um, that's also dressed in red, white, and blue. And I followed him probably for, I don't know, a couple of hundred yards, meters. Hmm. And um, he did, he saw me a couple of times, and I just acknowledged him. Hi, so he wasn't bothered. Yeah, um, but he, he kind of I guess it was one of those days when you know, everyone was in a great mood, and you know it, it was a beautiful sunny day. Um, but I followed him, or sometimes went ahead of him, looking for the background, ah. so that when he came into the background, I was ready to take it. And I noticed up ahead, you know, as I was walking ahead, I was like, I don't know, 20 meters ahead of him. And I noticed a red car and a red and a red door. Ah. And so I thought, perfect. Yeah, there's this guy coming into the scene with his with his uh, red, white and blue outfit and uh, his red, white and blue um, dress dog. In a like a little sort of uh, you know it's one of these like pulley carts that you know people put produce yeah. in etc. So it's he was quite a, he was quirky in himself, um, but it needed the right background. I could have just taken it, and it would have been kind of okay, but that elevated it to a different level. So you know that's what following is: is you finding someone that you think is an interesting person, and then. Maybe just going ahead and watching them where they go. You, know, you you can do it quite unobtrusively. I mean, this guy just happened to see it because we were, we were kind of there. I was actually with another photographer, Flavio, at the time, mm-hmm. so he kind of noticed us. And um, after I took it, he he, he saw me and I, I I stopped and he carried on walking. I went bang 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 bang. I took about four or five pictures as he walked in and out of the the, the scene that I wanted. Um. And I carried on walking because I thought, you know, there might be something better coming up. So I didn't just think, I've got it. Off you go. So I carried on because I thought, you know, this is such a good character. There's a great shot here. Nothing else did come. But we kind of got to a crossroads where there was a, a traffic light and we kind of stopped. And he just said, he just said, oh, he said um, I'm interested in photography too. He said, what, what camera have you got? And you know he he was interested uh, in he had in his bag he had a an old Rolleiflex twin lens reflex really so he was into photography so he might have yeah. kind of maybe know what we were doing but um, he you know he was he was friendly and we would just had a little chat and I showed him the back of the screen and then we went off our separate ways and That's and cool. that was the end of it so he wasn't bothered about it we were friendly we were you know we we smiling and we were you know we were kind of unobtrusive while we were walking along, but uh, fishing, yeah, find someone, follow them and wait for the right background. Yeah. You know, I did, I did something similar to that a while ago. I was with my friend, Mike, we were photographing a local parade and to me, parades are boring, you know, but he wanted to go. And it was great. I had such a great time. And I did the same thing. I mean, we just actually got in with the parade and walked along with it. And I saw this clown. Um, and so I just walked along with him and 
shot him as he interacted with the kids and made faces and whatever. And uh, when I looked at the photos, yeah, I got, I haven't had a couple that were pretty good, but basically I didn't have a decent background. Mm. You know, there was, it was busy and just wasn't paying attention to it. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen. No, that's, that's true. Something. It doesn't happen either. Yeah. Um, which it kind of brings us on to the, the third F. <laughs> What's um, that? It's the fuck. Um, so I won't say that word again. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm uh, upset anyone, but there we are. What it's the heck? Is. It's but, already you know, out there. I can't mark this episode as clean now, but that's quite all right. Um, what that is, is it's you've got these other two techniques, which probably account for, I don't know, 18, 90% of your street photography. But then you're always going to get a situation where you're just walking along and wow, there it is right in front of you. Yeah. And, you know, it may be that Gary player thing, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Uh-huh. Um, there's one of your golf things you can use. I, I guess. Just gonna, you know what? I'm just putting that on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's lots of great golf quotes actually. Um, but, you know, you, 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 when you're walking and looking for these backgrounds or you're, you're following someone, other things just pop out at you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a little blog post at the moment and I'm, I'm kind of akin it to um, the, 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 your hands in, in poker. So mm-hmm. like a roll flush, a, a pair, a three and a two, that sort of thing. And my Royal flush which is the first picture I put on there. This picture just happened. Excuse me. This picture just happened in front of me. And it happened in Kolkata. It happened at the flower market, which is, you know, a world famous place. Um, it's a bit like sort of, uh, you know, the flower markets or over here, they're massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get there at five in the morning and it's just full of, full of people. So you've got to choose your right background. And I'd, I'd seen this area um probably on my first visit and bearing in mind i've been to kolkata seven times so seven consecutive years and each time i've done either one or two courses there so and and each one of those courses i've been there in this particular location one or two times so i've probably been at this location 20 times 25 times over a five or seven year period a lot Uh, and i keep going back there because you know, there's this flower market. The, the end of the flower market is kind of where they, they put together these um, these floral sort of necklaces that Indians hang over each other, that sort of thing. And the light was, wasn't was bad in there, but it, and it, was all, it was always kind of like got potential because it was under a bridge. Mm. So you had this light streaming in from both ends. Um and you know, one of it was obviously just the ambient light, but the main the the the, the sun was coming up, and it was just flowing in, into this this under this tunnel of a bridge that basically made it beautiful. But it was probably only like that for half an hour, or maybe mm-hmm. less than that, because of the sun's rising, so it's going to go. Still, good light under there, even when the sun wasn't in its perfect position. But this particular day, and it only happened the last time I went there, which was just prior to the um, pandemic. And I walked in there and I was by myself. It was like six o'clock in the morning 
and it was like, wow. And it was almost like biblical, this light. Really? Yeah, yeah. And and in front of me, you know, there was this, this group of, I don't know, it's eight or nine people all sitting or, or hanging around reading newspapers or just chilling out in different positions at different heights, some in traditional dress, well, all of them in traditional dress. But in the middle of it was one guy who almost looked like he shouldn't be there. And he was, he's dressed in a, like a Levi jean jacket. And, um, it kind of breaks all the rules as well, because if you think the main subject should never be bang in the middle, it should be on a third, maybe uh-huh. but this guy is bang in the middle, but it works. And you just look at it and you just go, well, I look at it and I've shown it to a few people and they've just gone like, wow, how did you like that? You must have used some lights. And it's like, no, I, I took three or four pictures of it. And then the group, kind of dispersed you know the people to the right sort of moved around or more people noticed me so I just literally took three or four pictures of this but everything was kind of was right and that's kind of like this wow it's happened it's there you've just stumbled across it you've kept going back and back and back all of a sudden bang it's there Um, and that happens you know not a lot but it happens occasionally, but when it does, boy, you need to be ready. And um, you, know, you need to have everything ready so that when it's presented to you, you need to be there just firing off the shots without any other thoughts about anything apart from the composition. So what did you do at the time to be ready? Or maybe you didn't even think about it. I, I didn't think about it. and. Yeah. Um, the reason I don't think about it is because, you know, it's my job. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I practice. I, I, I know what's, what settings are, or I know what it, they just seem to happen. Um, in fact, it's one of the things a lot of people you notice on courses say, well, what settings are you using or mm-hmm. what? Is, and it's like, well, I don't know. It's what it needs to be. And I'm yeah. just might change it. I mean, it, well, surely you must know. And it's like, well, no, I just like it's, I'm just I'm in this moment where I'm I'm totally concentrating on the the, the subject or what's going on in front of me. Um and that comes down to practice really, Bob. Mm-hmm. Which we we spoke about a little bit before. And um we were just talking and uh you know, I guess for everyone who doesn't know, we, we generally chat for about half an hour before, don't we, Bob? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I know. We even said. I even said. Gee, I should have. I should have turned the recorder on. Yeah. But um, and you know, you spoke about your project, and I spoke about my project. And uh, but uh, one of the things that that come up is, you know, why don't photographers practice? And you know, if you look at anything else, hobby, sport, recreation, people practice. You know, if you're a golfer, you go out and you know practice on the driving range, or you practice on the putting green for the round you're going to play at the weekend or the competition you're going to, you're, where you're going to do your best work or your best, best game. You know, if you're, if you're an artist, you know, you're practicing on different canvases with different techniques before you do your, your, your piece on this great bit of canvas that you've, you've got. And 
you know, if you're on, if you're a footballer, you know, you're you you're, you're practicing or training every day of the week for the game at the weekend, and you're sure. practicing little techniques. You're pra- practicing volleying or practicing penalties, or you're practicing you know, keeping the ball up, or you know, practicing little movements so that two will go one way and one. You're, you're practicing all these things to be good when something happens, and yet I I often feel as photographers. We don't practice. We just go out and do it, and we expect to get great shots whenever we go out. And mm-hmm. you know, we we should spend time practicing. And you know, we, okay, we still have to go out and, and shoot, but we could be practicing a certain technique. And you know, that might be, you know, I, I mean, I remember in India last time, I, I spent probably, I don't know, the whole morning, like four or five hours, practicing panning. Because, you know, it ain't that easy to do, you know, to get the right speed on the camera and to get the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the the subject that you want in focus and the, back, the background out of focus. And, you know, the only way to, to do it, and I, and I spent a lot of time, but, you know, I, I found the correct settings and I've, I found, you know, the, the, the correct uh, speed to sort of pan or move my body because I practiced it and practiced it and I got one or two good shots over the whole morning. Um, so, you know, I can, and also another thing, I mean, I know we don't manually focus or a lot of us don't these days. I use an autofocus, a Sony camera, but a lot of us out there use, you know, the manual focus. They use, you know, the Leica which is a great street uh, camera, but how often do people practice focusing? You know, I, I can remember, you know, when I used to shoot Leica M on film um, and you know, Nikon on film, I'd sit at home practicing focusing. You know, even just when I was watching TV, I'd just sit there and focus on something near, then something far, just so mm. I could just do it instantaneously without thinking about it. Yeah, because you need, need the muscle memory. To... That's the word I'd, I'd forgotten, and you give it to yeah. me. Thank you. Yeah, the, you, you're looking at muscle memory um, so that when you um, when you do it, um, it's just there. And in fact, something happened to me quite recently. I bought a, um, a Hasselblad a film camera because I used to use one many, many years ago. And I took it out and did a bit of street photography with it. Mm-hmm. But boy, was I crap. <laughs> you know, out of because I hadn't, gone out, I hadn't practiced with it. And, you know, when you're looking down on a medium format camera, you know, everything is in reverse. Yeah. And so you're like that, and the person walks that way, and you're kind of going like this because <laughs> they've walked, and you've totally lost it. And then you're trying to focus it, and you know it's got a, quite a long throw the lens has, and and I I ended up just thinking to myself, Mark, you haven't practiced. What are you doing? Yeah, you just wasted uh, twenty pounds worth of film. Yeah, I did. I mean, <laughs> that was and that was only two rolls. Yeah. <laughs> So the discipline was good for only shooting 12 pictures or 24 pictures on the day. But, um, yeah, they were all bad. <laughs> well, there you go. You learned something. Mm. Only only this this time it cost you money. What uh, uh, what lens do you normally, or what focal length do you normally use on almost, the street? Or it just depends. Yeah, almost exclusively 35 mil. Really? Um it's the lens I'm most comfortable with. And again, it's this thing about practicing um, rather than sort of, you know, zooming in and out with a zoom lens and, you mm. know, you're constantly moving. 
and and trying to frame it right when you've when you have a single lens and you know that lens could be a 21 a 24 a 35 or you know if you're just starting out maybe go for a 50 or 85 you know just so that you get your confidence to start with after a while you know exactly what that lens does and where you need to stand yeah. to get the framing that you want pretty much straight away um and you know it's back again to this sort of this muscle memory or this this memory about i need to i know exactly where i've got to be to fill that frame and you just walk there and just do it you do lose out sometimes i mean there are times where i think god I wish i could have got back a bit further and you can't yeah. but you know you make a picture and um i think if you think back I mean, we're we're very long in the tooth now, Bob. You know, we're um, <laughs> we've been there, seen there, done it. But you know, we, if you started off on film photography, probably your camera had one lens in it. I bet it was a fifty mil. Most, yep. All my old film cameras only have fifties, and you you still managed to get the shots, and you never felt compromised. You just made it work. Never gave it a thought. No, exactly. But now yeah. we do because. Yeah, we've got all these other options, and yeah, you know, when you're on the street, also you know you you really want to travel light. The more gear you've got on you, the more obtrusive you're going to be looking. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people who they want to want to have enough gear with them to be able to do anything: backpack, multiple lenses, and uh, you know why. Also, it weighs you down. I mean, we had um, a guy on um, a course, the last one we did in India, actually, and he, we, we say, you know, best to have a prime with you. Um, he did have a prime with him, but day one when we all met, he had um, a 2470 on a, a Canon Mark V um, camera, and on the other camera, he had a, a 7210. <laughs> and now, you know, we saw back. Yeah, we we when you're out in the street, I mean, we were walking seven, eight, nine miles a day. Yeah, and easy. Yeah, he he said I'm struggling, and and because when we would critique the work every evening, and that's one of the big things we do on the course is what a lot of people remark upon is is the is the critiquing. Um, it's funny when you ask them like, what's the best highlight of the course? They always say the critiquing. Sure, um, but. Uh, he just said, I need to just get that 35 out. And I says, yeah, you do. And um, we're still in touch. Um, he's coming to Cuba with us uh, later on this year. Oh, uh, nice. So, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, can, can I just talk about some of the courses we've got coming up, Bob? Um, certainly, certainly. Yeah, and I, I've got a question about Cuba, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, we've got um, eight or nine courses coming up um from uh, bolivia um mm. the reason we're going to bolivia is flavio's um girlfriend or wife i should say is is flavio's my business partner um is from bolivia so she knows all the places to go so yeah. um we're going to be going there and our most interesting trip is we're we're flying into guwati which is in assam and then we're going through the the national park in, of kasinga and then we're going on to majuli island and spending time with the Apatani tribe, so that's going to be a real sort of uh, one-off, if you like. And we've we've put a lot of work into that. 
And then we'll do another Cuba one. And then we're back to India with uh, Jodhpur, Pushkar, Varanasi and Kolkata. So, yeah, we've got quite a few nice trips coming up. But, uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, just drop me a line. And uh, I love talking to people and uh, we'll tell you all about what's what's happening. And how do they find you? There's a couple of ways. I mean, um, obviously, the, the website, which is mm-hmm. www.shootthestreet. Um, if you could put a link down beneath, it would be great. Bob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be in the show notes. Amazing. Um, we also have a, a, um, a Facebook page called Shoot the Street, which anyone's welcome to come along and you can put your own pictures up there or you can just kind of lurk and watch and see what other people put up. Um, and then we've got a mail list that goes out about once a month. You know, we don't spam people. Yeah. If you join the mail list, um, you know, we just put an email out when the new courses are. But uh, most people who come on the courses, um, well, firstly, probably about 50% of the people who come on the courses are returners. So we literally get a really high return rate. So if someone's been on one course, they realize the value of it and they come again. Yeah, and finally, um, a lot of people send me an email or they, they just even call me on WhatsApp because uh, they want to talk about the courses. It's quite a big investment for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of reward there. And uh, people want to understand here you know, where we'll be going and all of the places we've been um, that we call a course. We've been there before, so we know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to be taking you off the beaten track, but we're going to have you back. And so you, you're going to sort of safe and trusted places, but they're going to be places that you probably wouldn't find yourself. We do do a couple of other types of courses, like the one I just mentioned, what we call an adventure. So it's, it's, there's not so much, there's still a big bar of planning on there, but not as much. We may not have been there before, but we kind of know through talking to people and, and having a guide, what we'll be doing. But it's not so structured. But to be honest, with you there's a lot of fun in that as well. That sure. everybody's kind of kind of uh, new, and we're with everyone from breakfast right the way through to the evening when um, we sit down with everyone and have dinner, but also critique everyone's eat work each evening. So um, you will get a lot out of it, lot lot out of it. I promise. Your Cuba trips. Um, are Americans going on those now? I know when I went there, it was like right before um, we couldn't go there anymore. But I don't know if that's opened up again or not. Do you know? I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. And mm. all of the people on the, the Cuba course um, are from Europe. Okay. In fact, we have one person's just had a... Um, a family issue um, and they can't come. So um, there is one space left on the Cuba course. So it was mm. sold out, but now there's one place place left. So um, if you want that place, let me know. Good to know. Good to know. I learned something the hard way when I went there. Um, when you come into the country, you have to change your money because you can only use their money. And uh, I've, brought dollars with me, but they charge like an extra 13% for the U.S. dollar. But if you come with euros or British pounds, they don't do that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's something you wouldn't even give give a thought to. So I just thought I'd throw that out there since I learned it. 
no, no, he's, hard I way. I think you've got to be quite careful. There's there's lots of little things they can add um, add money onto. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to going visiting. We're, we're going to visit some um, cigar factories, so we're going to spend probably half a day in in there just documenting that sort of stuff. Oh, that's as well. cool. So we're, we're going to be doing 95% street photography, but there are a couple of things that we've kind of said we want to do but not from a tourist point of view more from a, a documentary photographer photographer's yeah. point of view yeah that's great sounds like you're busy we are we're certainly going to be busy for the next sort of uh nine twelve months with all those sort of uh those bits and pieces we've got planned to bob yeah i tell you there's such a pent-up desire to travel mm-hmm. It seems like everybody I know, like in my neighborhood who travels internationally, they're all going somewhere. Yeah, we're going to Spain and Portugal in early wow. September. Mm-hmm. Too bad you're not going to be there at that time. <laughs> I'd love to be, yeah. Where, where are you going? Uh, we're going to, we're going to be in Lisbon for five days. And okay. then we think we're going to Porto after that. Oh, Porto is lovely. Okay. So... So I'm sure that's what we're going to do. And then we're actually taking a cruise. We had a big credit from one that was canceled when we were in New Zealand in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't going to take another one, but it's on a small ship and it's going to go all around Spain, all the way to Barcelona, different ports, mm-hmm. Sevilla, Malaga, you know, all these places on the water, Gibraltar going to visit your country in Gibraltar. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're looking forward to it because we haven't been anywhere since March of 2020. Now you'll, um, I, I went to Porto a few years ago and um, you'll love it. It's, it's, uh, it's very old. Yeah, uh, Portugal, like whereas um, a lot of Portugal is very modern, but Porto, you'll still see those sort of, the people walking, you know, the ladies walking around in all black. Oh, and, really? Good. Yeah, you'll still see all that sort of that old traditional, um, you know, Porto or Portugal still. Um, and, uh, yeah, you'll definitely have to get a glass or two or a bottle or two of port, I should think. <laughs> yeah, so I might as well say if anybody's going to be in that area at that time, uh, reach out to me. It'd be great to connect and sit down, have a coffee or a beer take some photos. I started a project. I take, I photograph every photographer I meet and I've started a whole, whole gallery of photographer portraits. Wow. Uh, I've been doing, I've been doing it since probably 2013. And, uh, so if you were here with me, I'd be making your portrait, especially that cool hat. He's got a cool hat on. This is my um, Larry Towel, my homage to Larry Towel, which is uh, yeah one of my favourite uh, photographers. I love Larry's work. Um, would be my dream one day to go on one of his courses. That's what my sort of on my, on my bucket list. So, hey, go for it. Times are wasting. He doesn't do that many, unfortunately. But um, when he does, I'm I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching. I missed the last one. He was in. He did one in London a couple of years ago. And oh uh, man. Yeah, I was just, I had a job on and I just couldn't get out of it. And uh, he was, he was, uh, it wasn't a course as such. It was an evening with Larry Tao. And um, I don't know if anyone has, has studied his work, but he's also a, an accomplished musician. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he, he writes songs as well, but they're kind of, um, they're, they're country type songs, I'd say. Um, and they're based around his travels and his books. So generally brings out a CD with each book. Yeah. And uh, he's got a little beatbox. He's, he sort of stamps on and um, he's got a guitar and a, um, harmonica and that's it that's kind of what it is but it's it's quite raw but i was i really wanted to go to it but uh, unfortunately i didn't couldn't make it yeah well you've got to pay the bills too mm, absolutely good good well that's great well mark i i've got to thank you i would just i always like just chatting with you mm. and uh, i learned so much and you've done thank so you. many interesting things and yeah, we're going to do this again. No, we... I'd love to. You know, there's there's loads of other things um, you know we can talk about. We spoke about a lot more before the show, and I think we've only covered a fraction of what we want to talk about. But that's uh, good. That Can't... means we can uh, do another one soon. Yeah, if you try to do too much, then nothing sticks. Sure. Yeah, so that's great. It's good stuff. I'm still still have. Uh, Still learning from our, our last conversation when you talked about show me the nose. I keep hearing that in my head when I go to take a shot. <laughs> show me the nose, yeah. And it, and you're absolutely right. We'll talk about heads in spaces next time. We'll talk catch up very soon, Bob. 